Tuesday, May 24th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Options, Jim Gillies. Howdy. From Global Gains, Tim Hansen. And from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Guys, good to see you. Yeah, yeah, we usually you. wait until Chris finishes before we say <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, sorry. I was listening to the one this morning when Otter was chopping in every two It's seconds. Jim Gilley's first time. Let's be gentle there with There we him. go. All right. We have news from AIG and Ford in a moment. But first, another day, another off-the-charts IPO for an internet company. Today, it's Yandex, the number one search engine in Russia. Shares went public at 25, spiked more than 40%, and now trading in the mid-30s. Tim, what do you think? Yandex, is it the next Google or is it the next Renren? You know, the most (laughs) remarkable thing about this is that this may be the first emerging markets tech IPO we've seen this year that that may not be totally unjustified in terms of its current value. Now, it's expensive, and today's pop is big, and it's being valued at about $8 billion, but there are at least three things worth noting. One is that this is a real business that makes money. Unlike unlike some of these, go figure. Unlike some of these things that have come public at multi-billion-dollar valuations, uh, Yandex's search engine in Russia is by far number one. It's beating Google, and it's doing so in a market that, unlike China, um, Google doesn't suffer from a firewall or anything like that in Russia. So Yandex is organically beating Google by about two to one in terms of Russian search, and they made or they had almost five hundred million dollars in sales last year. So that's a that's a legit business. And when you stack up those multiples against you know the peer group. They're right there with Baidu and, and, and Mercado Libre and those sorts of companies. Um, as I said, that's still expensive. You know, but the thing about Renren and, and, and LinkedIn and some of these others is that they're being valued way in excess of the peer group. The thing about Russia is it's only about, there are only about 200 million people in Russia, and Yandex is pretty much confined to being successful in Russia. So it's not as big a market as mm-hmm. the U.S., Latin America, or China. So that's one thing to balance before you get too excited uh, but Russia is an interesting market, obviously tied to commodities. But, you know, this Yandex IPO, I'm, I'm actually probably glad to say, is not completely a farce. Bill, what do you High think? High praise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, how, how old is, is Yandex now? Uh, a, a little more than a decade in terms of its operations in Russia. Well, I really would have to question what, as Tim just brought up, what the growth potential is, you know, having been around for 10 years and having uh, language borders that, that I assume restrict its potential growth and the the possibility that people are accustomed to investing on the first day of an internet IPO as if there is almost incalculable growth ahead of the company and that in this case uh, they should get out their slide rules and see that that is going to be much less so than Something that's you know growing in, in China and has only been around for three years, and we are seeing absurd valuations for that kind of thing. But one of the reasons for that is it's very hard to value hypergrowth, and from what I'm hearing here, Yandex is far less likely to ever again experience the hypergrowth it may have experienced already. But Yandex now has 1.3 billion dollars that they've raised from this IPO that they can play with. Well, I'm sure the government will let it hang on to that money for days, <laughs> you know, before so it cutting Russia. itself in for well, uh, y- half y- of it. Yandex is actually a Dutch company. They re- reincorporated, uh, I think, to avoid some of those issues associated with being in <laughs> Russia. Um, but the story with the Russian internet market is that it was, the internet was a little bit slow to catch on, and Russia was lagging Europe in terms of its internet penetration rate. Uh, the last two or three years have been incredible for the country. It's now up closer to 60%. So still got a ways to go. But ultimately, it's not that big a market, which is really, Bill, as you were saying, one of the factors to weigh. Um, but in, you know, in addition to search, they do mail, they do blogging, all that sorts of stuff that you'd expect from a internet portal search thingy. What, what about uh, social media? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have a strategy. <laughs> 
So uh, is this going to, just sort of broadening it beyond Yandex, is this just further encouragement for other tech companies? You know, last week we had LinkedIn's IPO. Today it's Yandex. If if you're you look, know, if you if you own or have access to becoming the hot internet company of insert name of hot emerging market here, <laughs> and you are not running to your lawyers and bankers <laughs> to IPO this year, you are missing maybe the opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, the valuations here, you know, this is the second coming of the internet bubble. Anybody who's waiting around for a more attractive time to IPO, I don't think you're going to see it. Jim, you and I were around for the 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 dot bubble of uh, the late 90s. What How is old do I look? <laughs> what, what does this look like to you? Just, just stepping back a little bit. Is it is this looking like the late 90s it to looks you? Absolutely like, like the late 90s. It looks like uh, 98, 99 when everyone, uh, anyone with a company in a dream is trying to raise some cash from gullible investors. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the IPO bearer. Well, maybe not in the room, but certainly <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm a I'm less likely to be entranced by uh, the the hot IPO than most of uh, uh, most investors out there. I'll put it that way. All right. Speaking of IPOs, the nine billion dollar stock offering from AIG and the U.S. Treasury is on schedule for Tuesday. Investors are expecting the deal to be priced between twenty nine and thirty dollars a share. Bill. Uncle Sam has got a ninety two percent stake in AIG. Um, are we going to make some money? Well, it, it, under the current price as it is right now, and, and AIG has had a very tough year stock-wise, uh, yeah, the U.S. will basically recapture its investment from uh, 2008, which I think, taking a step back, is better than most of us would have feared would be the case, that at the time in September of 2008, a uh, couple uh, weeks after, if it was even that long after Lehman had gone under and the U.S., uh, really had very little choice, seemingly at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, took on all of the, the liabilities, took on all of the risk uh, and all of the unknown losses at that time for AIG, and it was vastly uh, underestimated at the time, as it had to be, since things were moving very fast that September, and and you know the valuations and and risks were, were mounting. Uh, so I think it's worked out to date better than anybody would have feared was going to be the case. Uh, whether the U.S. ends up making money, I, I wouldn't say it's really going to make money. You could have invested in virtually anything in mid-September 2008 and done better than you would have done by buying uh, AIG shares. Now, that could turn around. The, the U.S. is going to, even after this uh, re-IPO, it's going to have about 75% of uh, AIG and has the potential to you know actually make a profit on it. Tim? I mean, the government's goal here was never to make a, a hedge fund type return from this investment. You know, the goals were laid out differently, and that was to to basically save the economy. And I think Bill's exactly right that you can't judge any one of these deals in the vacuum and say, you know, the AIG deal is a good one because we made some money. DLX was a bad one because we lost some money. I mean, they're all were working together to accomplish something. And and ultimately, I do agree with Bill that um, things worked out very well in the big picture. As an investor, Tim, I'll go to you first. Does AIG as a stock, is that something that interests you at all? Today? Yeah. Not really. Is it just because it's AIG or is it just financial stocks in general? It's really hard. (laughs) You know, I I try to keep it easy. I mean, as Bill said, said, things with AIG have worked out better than most expected. And I would would probably venture to say this is the the way we are now is probably the best outcome any of us, except for maybe high unemployment, is the best outcome any of us could have hoped for coming out of you know that period of time, and yet the government still is sort of just break even. 
So, you know, when everything goes right or almost everything goes right and you just break even, it's not a great investment. I'll just say that, you know, if people are considering AIG, first take, uh, stop by where uh, Tim started, which is it's hard. It's not an easy company <laughs> to, to value. Uh, the the subparts of AIG are various companies that you probably Mark. wouldn't even have heard of or, or know by brand name. But, uh, you know, it's an insurance company that's a specialized kind of valuation. You don't just... Uh, value it the same way you would a, a retailer, uh, and and you you kind of need to know what you're doing there. But uh, there are enough things that have gone wrong for the stock that uh, you might you might find some value in it. It just it's it's actually the worst performing stock in the S and P 500 this year, which in itself is often an indication of big problems or uh, alternatively the the potential that you'll get mean reversion and actually will do well. Jim, what do you think? I'm actually quite interested in AIG. I, it hurts me to say that. You like the complicated stuff. I like the complicated <laughs> stuff. I like the dumpster diving. I like financials. Um, I'm going to go hit my head on the wall repeatedly because it'll feel so good when I stop. <laughs> but uh, no, it's kind of a, I think it's a bit of a Peter Lynch, uh, you know, buy what the queen is selling principle. Buy what you know? Uh, <laughs> buy what the queen is selling. Uh, you know, when the government- We don't have that phrase here, buy what the queen is selling. Hey, Where are you from? Take it up with Lynch. Um <laughs> But the I, I think when the government's selling something, I'm interested. I I, I want to know what the uh, what the terms are going to be because the government can't essentially be seen to be you know rooking the the buyers as opposed to say the buyers of LinkedIn or the buyers of uh, the Russian index today. Yeah, it's true that we don't know exactly what the you know the timing of this is about. Whether the government needs a little bit more cash in its coffers, uh, as it I, I've may. heard you're running short. Down here. <laughs> That's something that might be the case. I don't think it's all so the cool things are running short. <laughs> specific to this deal. Uh, but I, I do think it's uh, it's certainly more attractive uh, now than it was at uh, at the beginning of the year. You know, that stock off uh, the thirty or forty percent this year. And finally, yesterday Toyota unveiled Toyota Friend, a social networking service that enables drivers to interact with their cars. Today, Ford unveiled a seat with built-in heart monitors. Yes, now Ford drivers will be able to have their car provide early warning of a heart attack. Um, Jim Gillies, what do you think? Does this, does this sweeten the deal for you? You're looking to buy a Ford now? I don't understand why I want a heart rate monitor in my car. Is it that many people having to, issues? To monitor your heart. <laughs> Thank you, obvious man. <laughs> no, I mean, what am I, pay, what am I paying for this upgrade? I mean, it's, I, I, like, I like my car to stay on the road, occasionally have, you know, maybe power seats. That's good enough for me. If you have heart issues that, that require that is, is kind of constant market? monitoring, should you even be driving? <laughs> I mean... Bill, what do you think? Uh, no, but you know, unlike in Canada, uh, this is a free society. <laughs> oh, allowed no. allowed to drive a car, no matter how incapable you really are, or should judge yourself to be. So it might be of some minor use for uh, that demographic, the high, you know, heart attack uh, likelies out there. And uh, you know, if they want to spend money on it to p- perhaps uh, have an incremental. Uh, level of safety, then uh, good for them. See, in Canada, it's probably going to be legislated. <laughs> As we'll I all say. have to have. <laughs> I mean, just typical. <laughs> just to give a little more context on this, last week Ford said that it's uh, working on uh, car systems that would enable drivers to monitor pollen levels, um, glucose levels for diabetics. I guess my question is: Is this where we're going with the auto industry? That now, in, in addition to 
all these other features. Now we're going to start layering in all of these health monitoring features? I'm excited. We're going to be able to get rid of our health system and just have better cars pretty soon, <laughs> I think. And I, I haven't bought a new car in about 11 years now, so it's exciting for me to, to think about what I might be acquiring next time I go out. I mean, the cars I have barely have cup holders, and they still have tape decks. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's... It's very exciting that it's also going to take care of me. And, and if it would just, instead of doing all this monitoring, would actually file the paperwork necessary to get money back from every doctor's visit I have, that, that's, the, that's the accessory that's that really I would certainly for. pay for. Uh, you know, Jim, we hear all the time here in the States about Canada's healthcare system. Uh, how do you think um, this new wave of healthy cars is going to go over? I, I think it brings a new meaning to the term Ford Probe. Wow. Wow. Okay. He's two for two, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Can't bail you out, Chris. Drop those emails, jimgillies at fool.com. All right, uh, Jim Gillies, Tim Hanson, Phil Barker. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Jim going strong to the hoop. Bold. Ford Probe.